Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Compass. Happy birthday to you. This is Wayne, I'm one of the worship team. That's it. Happy birthday, Compass Bible Church. You are one year old as of today. Exciting stuff. All right. Well, hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm with Pastor Hayden. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm Pastor Hayden, and I'm joined with Pastor Evan. Well, 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 at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Pastor Evan, we are two weeks into a new series. That's right. What's it called? It is called People in Promises. And this new sermon this week was called? The Incubation of a Nation. All right, let's get to it. What is the scripture reference? It is Matthew chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And it reads, And Judah, the father of Perez, and, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nation, and Nation, the father of Salmon. Which is so funny to me because like there's a fish. Salmon. 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 I have to like say it like Salmon. Yeah. Salmon. Salmon. Okay. Well, that's not the focus of the <laughs> sermon, but the focus <laughs> of your sermon just earlier was that we need to trust in God's promises in Christ, and that this will help us not to waver in the presence of suffering or God's discipline. Two different things that can sometimes feel the same depending on your scenario. And so what is a reminder based on your main preaching point this, this Sunday as we get ready f- to participate in our in community through life groups? So what is, what is one takeaway that we need to make sure we keep as we go to life groups this week? It's knowing that both of these two things are part of the Christian experience and they ought to be a part. Like they shouldn't be optional parts because they're not. They are uh, the promises that we're given to say, hey, in your Christian experience, there will be real suffering and and there'll be real loss and real pain. uh, And in the name of Christ, not just that bad things will happen, but things will happen because you are a people of the promise. Uh, Israel was in slavery because they were God's people. They were Israel. And so we see that Christ was suffered on the cross because he was the son of God, that that's why he suffered. And so we will suffer as Christians because we are Christians. And in the same way, we will be disciplined uh, in disobedience to the glory of God for the good of our own lives because we are Christians. And so to know that these things are part of our life, and it should actually help us trust in God's promises because these real things that we see in Scripture are really happening. And so nothing uh, can build our trust than seeing the reality of promises being fulfilled. And God does that. He did that through his His line uh, that he had promised uh, that we were reading about right now, that he used the suffering uh, throughout the line of Christ and the discipline, especially as we've zoomed into the wandering experience of uh of Israel there in uh, the wilderness uh, as uh, proof of these two things playing uh, hand in hand as God is fulfilling his promises through scripture. All right. Well, let's review the three points that you gave us uh, this sermon to apply. So the first one you want us to apply was to entrust our suffering to God's plan. And something that I was taking notes, that's something that it struck me to think about, and we discussed this during the week as you were preparing for the sermon, was the time periods between people. You know, from us to Jesus is the same time period from Jesus to Abraham. Mm -hmm. Um, But even so, like from uh, Perez and uh, his son Hezron and, and Ram, 
that's about 275 years, mm-hmm. give or give or take, where they were suffering and waiting. But we just go from Genesis 50 to Exodus mm-hmm. 1. Why is it a remem- Why is it so important to remember the time periods like this as we entrust our suffering to God's plan? Well, I think I said this in both services, is to, if you don't think about that gap, which you won't if you don't really zoom in and look at the uh, historical context, uh, is that you just think we went from Israel in Egypt to Israel enslaved to Egypt, and then they're leaving. Like, you just think of it as such a short period of time. Although Scripture tells you it was 400 years, the Bible isn't really showing you that in the actual text uh, through more narrative, more narrative, more narrative. Uh, But what you see is like, oh, man— I can obviously see in the text uh, that uh, Hezron, Ram, Amenadab, or Hezron, Ram, and Amenadab, uh, that was, that was if you look at the lifespans of people, that leads you to about 300-some-odd years of time that we don't see in the text. And this was obviously time that Israel was suffering because they were enslaved to Egypt. And so it shows us that God is working uh, even in the suffering of their people, even when it wasn't recorded uh, through a narrative in uh, the Old Testament, but God is still being faithful to carry out his promises. So when we pick it up in Exodus, we just keep reading it because we just know, hey, God was faithful even in the times where we didn't see it in a narrative form in the Bible. God still proved faithful. And I think it is helpful to remember the time gaps. Like, for example, 400 years ago would have been when the Jamestown colony was being founded and then forgetting of how much history and what people lived through and experienced in that time period and thinking like, okay, no, this is, this is how God's timeline is supposed to work. Where we look in the scripture, we can look back and know that people had to wait and so do we. And that's something you reiterated in uh, your sermon today. And a lot of our waiting will be in the midst of suffering oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And that should grow our trust because God said that's a real experience that we have. Uh, what makes me not would, would what would make me not trust in God is that I'm suffering in the God's word would say you will you not you never suffer as a Christian. Well, then I would say, oof, I don't know. God's promises seem to be not in line with what reality is. But on the other hand, what we see is suffering is a real plan in Scripture and it's a part of our Christian experience. And so that does make me trust God more because I see that coming to bear in my own life. And there's always a trust of future deliverance that mm-hmm. where in. Genesis 15, verse 12, he says, you'll be enslaved for 400 years. Verse 13 says, and then I will judge the nation and deliver you out of slavery. There's the whole promise. So there's a promise of deliverance. So they're sitting there for you know, year 275 going, all right, there's going to be deliverance. There's going to be deliverance. So there's hope, which leads to point number two, grasping God's plan for deliverance. And you know the way God, God delivered um, Israel was quite intense. And something that you mentioned, the whole Bible points back to um, and we can get down to the minutia. I told you a joke that I heard a professor say about... I said that to the 11 o'clock service. Right. They thought it was funny. I said, you told me to tell them. All right. Happy got killed. God killed Happy. <laughs> happy was the, the god, god of, of the Nile. So. And he was in denial. After oh! <laughs> Moving forward, um, as Christians today, where God isn't fighting the deity of the Godhead of Egypt, uh, what? how can we grasp God's plan of deli- deliverance as Christians now, 2,000 years later, from Christ? If we look at the text, we can see that there was times uh, before the deliverance of Israel, even though that we see that there was the promise of the 400 years in, slave, in slavery to Egypt that was given to Abraham, uh, there was a long gap. Do you think ever that Israel doubted God's promises? You do, right? Yeah. You're just shaking your head. You want to say yes so other people can hear? Yes. Okay. 
I figure they can see me through <laughs> oh, the microphone. They can't see you. And, and actually, as a matter of fact, they often did because they were complaining throughout the deliverance process because they just didn't trust in God. Uh, and, and but yet God had these promises set in stone. And in the same way, like how often we know because you were saying you actually said, well, God delivered Israel in a what was the word you used? Like a magnificent way or a grand way. Yeah, you mean the same way that God's going to deliver his people when Christ returns and calls his people up into the air and then reigns for a thousand years? It's going to be pretty more epic. I mean, it's like, you want to talk about boom? Like, that's just, we're given these concrete promises too. And yet, we doubt and we don't trust in God's plan for deliverance. And I know that already part of our deliverance is that Christ came uh, and he's delivered us from slavery of sin into uh, his family. We are heirs and children of God. But there is this culmination of that deliverance. It's going to be pretty miraculous. And just like uh, Israel had that 400 years of slavery, even though both the ens- this enslavement and the deliverance were both promised, so is ours. Ours is promised. And so we have to grasp God's plan for deliverance because it will give us a confidence and trust in God's whole plan for deliverance. Uh, Even right now when we're so tempted to forget and to not trust and to lose faith uh, and to complain in our own lives as we get caught up in the minutiae of the day-to-day life when God has a great plan in store and we got to keep looking forward to that. And we got to grasp that or we are going to lose faith. All right. And your third and final point was for us to embrace God's discipline. So we endure our suffering, know that God is going to deliver us, but sometimes it can feel the same as you alluded alluded before, is that discipline uh, is something that we need need to embrace. And so what is one thing that we need to, as a congregation, to remember out of your third point as we enter our life groups and also just doing life? is to look at our life as disciples of Christ. And I love that. Discipline and disciple are spelled with the same letters. Boom. Okay. So like part of being a disciple is to be disciplined. Part of being a child of God is that we would receive the discipline of a father. Uh, And it's to see that although we are delivered from sin, and it's not although, it's because we're delivered from sin, we receive the good godly discipline of the Lord. And we should embrace that because we know that we're not living perfectly every day. And we know that we're often doing things that, that uh, that are worthy of discipline. And so we should embrace God's discipline in our life because we know that it is... Uh, It's testing our hearts, and it's conforming our hearts. And those are two really wonderful things that God does for us to both show us where we're at and to both move us forward as we're being conformed into the likeness of Christ. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Hayden. Uh, Well, you have written up for us some application questions for us to go through this week. Wait, before that, I want to go into the, the further insight. Further insights, and, slowing down, Pastor no, And Adam. we talked a lot about Moses and some of the ways that he and Jesus Moses. Uh, were, uh, refl- Moses reflected a, a typology of Christ. We'll jump in. I don't want to hold you back. Okay, well, we talked a lot about it in the sermon. I don't, want to, I don't want to talk more about it, but we did talk a little bit ago, I think either recording our other podcast or just talking in between, was like even in Numbers 21, which I didn't talk about. Numbers 21, you have... Uh, the serpents after Israelite the Israelites invasion failed in Numbers 14, seven chapters later, as they're in the wilderness, these serpents start attacking the Israelites, and they're all getting they're getting uh, bitten and they're dying. Uh, and so uh, Moses then gets a staff and he uh, makes a bronze serpent. And the promise of God was that if anybody would he'd lift it up, and if anyone would look at this serpent, uh, they would be saved. Right, that they would that, that the serpent was lifted up. If they looked at it, the the serpents wouldn't attack them. And so, if they kept their eyes on the on the serpent that was lifted up, that they would be 
delivered. And I think that's ironic. There's irony because of the serpent and then the head of the, the seed of the woman, all those things. But the point about that is Jesus literally quotes this same uh, story. And he's like, just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up and whoever looks on him will be saved. I mean, already there's that Moses, as Moses did this, I'm also going to do this. And although that was a temporary deliverance, we see in numbers, uh, Christ promises an eternal deliverance if you would look to him as he's being lifted up on the cross. And there's just another just an insight that we didn't get to talk about in the sermon that you can just see over and over again that the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. All right. Well, one of your application questions actually is talking about that the continuity of the entire Bible. And so with these application questions, Pastor Hayden, what do you what is the direction you want us to take with these questions as we get prepared to Go to life groups. One of them is always going to be not to be commentators, but to be applicators. applicators. But what is another thing that we need to be prepared for doing these questions? Yeah, I think as you do your homework, even in question number two, you're going to see add some other scriptures that you know that talk about the experience that we suffer in, uh, as Christians. And I think you should use the text of scripture to, sh- to, uh, to say, hey, this is what it's like to be a Christian. Like, Don't just use your own experience because often your own experience is not going to validate what it means to be a Christian because our experience is faulty. Uh, the way that we interpret our experience is faulty. Uh, the way that we see things is often not in line with Scripture. And so let's use Scripture to tell us what it's like to be a Christian. And we'll see a lot, just even more than just in Philippians 3, 8 through 10 and Romans 5, 3 through 4. There are so many Scriptures that point to the these inevitable suffering in the Christian experience. And so uh, do some homework to find some other Scriptures to share with your uh, life groups that would be helpful to encourage them. And then I just uh, hope that these, uh, I hope I've done a good job in making all these questions very, very applicable. And so really work hard as you're encouraging your life group. Uh, Answer these questions in light of how you're going to apply them right now. Uh, And I think you're going to find a lot of great uh, help and encouragement in your life groups, uh, even in the midst of the reality that we have suffering and the reality that we have... uh, that we have uh, discipline that comes from God. Those are all good, godly things. And so I just I hope uh, that you're able to, as you apply these questions, uh, both have encouragement for you and to build up your life group. All right, Compass, it is now, actually before the, before the DBR Spotlight, is there any resources? We actually mentioned this to the life group leaders in their podcast, mm-hmm. but what is a resource that our church can start, you know, using and investing in. Yeah, Logos. It's a uh, it's an application you can have on your phone, your laptop, your iPad, uh, and it's a Bible app. But it's more than a Bible app. It's like a study software, software uh, that actually I succeed where I do almost a hundred percent of my study and research and what. Uh, uh, building of my sermons all through Logos. And so it's a it's an application that you can spend $0 on or you can spend $20,000 on. And the reason I say this is because one of the things that, uh, as Pastor Evan and I were talking earlier, that helped me understand the timeline and what was going on in this time that helped me connect some of the line of Christ to the historical uh, context of the Old Testament was a, a tool in my Logos called the Timeline Tool. And that timeline tool actually helped me put names to time periods, which that's just one little helpful thing. But I have I have thousands of resources on my Logos, and I could at any one time pull up a topic or an idea, throw it into my little uh, search search tool. Uh, what is that thing called? 
like engine, my little search engine, and it pops up everything I have in my resources that talk about that one thing. How many of us need that? I mean, and it's not, you know, the problem with like Google is when you Google something really biblical, you find all these unbiblical comments on it. Well, when you get into Logos and you type in something, you find the biblical uh, resources that pop up for those things. So I just want to encourage you guys. It's not necessary by any means, but since there's free, they, they even have free options, and then there's a $40 option, and this goes up from there all the way to a ton of money that I don't have. Uh, you can get resources and, and an application that's going to help you study deeper into the Word of God. We don't get paid by Lagos to do this, nor would we ever take payments or bribes to get you guys to do something on our Equip podcast, but it is because it's so helpful. You use it all the time. We both use it all the time in all of our prep and, and study, and mm-hmm. it has been a great resource. Right. And it's not user-friendly, so there are training videos yeah, yeah. that can help you. Yeah, and a lot of your life group leaders already have Logos, and so you can always ask him to help you too. All right, well, now, Compass, it is time for the daily Bible reading spotlight. And as a church, this week, we'll be concluding the book of Proverbs and we'll begin officially the book of Ecclesiastes. But next week, we'll actually talk about the book of Ecclesiastes, which is actually, funny enough, one of my favorite books of the Bible, just because of the message it it conveys. But as a reminder, Compass, as we're finishing up Proverbs, it's Solomon is just, it's a rapid fire of just wisdom after wisdom after wisdom. Um, but I want to help you understand and be able to use this as a tool to continue to, as you go through the book of Proverbs, maybe some of you will read it every month, like a chapter a month or just a proverb a day so that you can be able to properly understand the context of what's going on. Uh, just as a reminder, the proverb the in Hebrew essentially is parables. And so that should help you be ready to, when Jesus is sharing the parables, it's him giving wisdom to wisdom to understand reality in the truth. And so that is the book of Proverbs. It's trying to help you understand reality. and It's supposed to help you understand the truth. And essentially it's helping you understand how the law of God is how to, is how to be applied in everyday settings. In the background of Proverbs is that Solomon wrote almost 98, 99.9% of Proverbs. There's a couple at the end that you're going to read this uh, this week that potentially are Gentiles that wrote, uh, some scholars think it was Gentiles that wrote these last two Proverbs that, that um, Solomon added in into the wisdom literature. Um, but all of it is essentially saying one thing. This is a listening heart. This is what a listening heart look, looks like towards God. And I say listening heart is because Solomon, he's known as the king who asked God for wisdom. That's in First Kings chapter 3, verse 9. God says, hey, Solomon, what is one thing that you would want? And instead of asking for riches and power, he asked for an understanding mind. And if you have Logos, you can pull up these Hebrew lexicons to see what is the actual Hebrew words in the raw translation is a listening heart. So give your servant, therefore, a listening heart to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil, which knowing that the Bible is one continuous storyline, the good and evil, well, where do we hear that? Well, back all the way in Genesis. For who is able to govern this great people? Solomon's saying, hey, I don't want to define what is good and evil because that's what Adam and Eve did. And look how, look how the world turned out after they made that decision and said, you are the one that can discern good and evil. Help me to have a listening heart for you. 
And then secondly, as you're reading the Proverbs, um, understand this, that Psalm is, is following through on the command in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We actually talked about this at the men's breakfast. It's the Shema, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Uh, but also it follows in verses 7 and following, it says to teach this diligently to your children when you when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you uh, sitting at home, we're walking by the way. And so Solomon is teaching his sons in the first half of Proverbs. And then he continues as we're reading just to continue to drop these wisdoms to teach diligently his children of how to follow the law of God. Let me uh, jump in. Jump in. Uh, number one and number two. Number one, Proverbs are meant to be read slowly. And I know that in your daily Bible reading, it's just a ton of them. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys, read the daily Bible, keep up with it, but read these slowly. Take time to digest them because they are proverbs, like they are parables, right? They're for you to take, and it's called general wisdom. It's to teach you how you can deal with life in a practical way. And number two is memorize these. There is nothing better than memorizing a whole slew of proverbs because you could live your whole life may be a little annoying to some people, but you could live your whole life quoting Proverbs and be pretty uh, wise and applicable in doing so. So make sure you're taking your time through the Proverbs and do your best to memorize as many as possible. And to build upon that, that this is going to help you practically live out your Christian faith. Hmm. But there's something you need to, re- to re- remember is that we are all supposed to follow wisdom, you know, God's wisdom. We're all supposed to have a listening heart. But before... Christ is in us. We have a hard heart towards God, so we cannot follow wisdom without God. And so don't try to apply these Proverbs if you haven't followed God and repented and trusted in Christ, because you won't be able to do it, because Jesus is the wisdom. He's the one that lived out all these Proverbs. Okay, let, let's jump into that. All right. Oh, we can't follow wisdom. Well, I know we are Christians who look at some of the Proverbs and, they've, and they do them. Well, what do you mean that they can't do it? They won't be able to persevere in them. Okay, yeah, okay. And, right, they won't be able to persevere in them, which is good. And they also won't be doing them for Correctly. the purpose of of the the Proverbs, which is to glorify, God. to glorify God. And so anything they were doing, they would be setting up idols as they're doing these things, which is antithetical to the Proverbs. And so that's what we mean when we say... We won't. You wouldn't be able to follow them. You wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to persevere through them, and you wouldn't do them for the reason to glorify God. It would be to prop up your own kingdom, which we all know will fail. Exactly. So, this means that only through Jesus, you and I can live through God's wisdom. So make sure that you have repented and trusted in Christ, and that you do it for the purpose of glorifying Him by representing His image correctly. And actually one of the highlights, highlight Proverbs I, I picked for this week is in Proverbs chapter 27 verses 5 through 6. So then as we're you know, developing this community as a church, as many of you have joined from moving from different states or moving from different parts of Texas, is to, it's better is an open rebuke than hidden love. And faithful are the wounds of a friend and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Well, let's, let's apply that because I like that proverb highlight. Let's apply this. How does this play out in our life? Look at verse five. Let's talk about it. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. What does that mean? It means that when someone is, is the word of God is able to, uh, to correct, to train and to help us live out godly 
a godly life according to Christ's righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so when we're not doing that, you hope to have Christians, brothers in your life and sisters in your life, aka life groups, that would be willing to say, here's the word of God. You're not following it. I'm going to gently, according to what God's word has to say, rebuke you to say, hey, this is what you're not doing right. And so many times in our groups, like here, we know someone's doing something they ought not to. I'm actually been in some uh, counseling about this, and it's been so gracious because some people have gently called out some people, and their whole lives, their careers are changing, their lives are changing, their marriages are changing. So many things are changing because someone didn't hide their actual love. We can't have hidden love in our life because we got to show love, and love is truth and love. And so we have to show love by telling the truth. So better is the open rebuke that I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I love you, and I'm not going to. I love you so much, I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to say, hey, this is going on. Let's let's work on this together biblically. And it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's going to wound. It's going to wound. Verse and, six, and that's verse six. It's going to wound you, and that's the that's the re, the reality the Bible's trying to uh, uh, share is like when this happens, it's going to hurt. And it's faithful, but right? it's faithful. Yeah, that's good. It's faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful is it when your friend wounds you for for the sake of love. And so those are the people that you need to be looking for and a f- person that you need to be and making sure you're doing correctly using the totality of scripture. We can talk about that mm-hmm. in another podcast. But those are the people you're looking for. The people that you're not going to look for are the people who are, who are kissing you. And what does it mean by kissing, Pastor Hayden? <laughs> well, the profuse profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And it's really this like there are people who are just going to blow smoke up your hat. Right, they're gonna make you feel. They're gonna make you feel great. Uh, and these are the kinds of people that's like, you know what? Your enemy would rather mislead you to get you to fail than they are to tell you the truth. Even though you think your enemies are the people who are gonna tell you the truth and, t- and and say bad things about you, the reality is somebody who loves you is gonna be open with the rebuke. Someone who doesn't love you, an enemy, is gonna be the one who seems like a friend. Uh, but who actually would never try to lead you in wisdom. And then how is this applied? This is Old Testament. How is it applied in the New Testament? Well, Galatians 6, 1. This is someone who is applying uh, Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. Well, say uh, Galatians 6, 1 is, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, is anyone's sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So this is someone who's rebuking someone. This is someone who's calling out someone's sin, but for what purpose? Circling back your earlier comment about the Proverbs, the purpose is I want to restore this person back into the community of God, not so that I can have my friend back. It's so that God would be glorified in this, not so that I would be right, but that God would be glorified with this. So maybe if you're on the receiving end of a rebuke, you need to slow yourself down as you're, it's being, you're being wounded to see well, this person's probably trying to restore me back. This is their heart behind it. They're trying to restore me into the community of God. And the one who, uh, the warning for the one who's giving the rebuke is to keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. It's like to don't look at that person as if you yourself couldn't be tempted to fall as well. And so it's to restore the person in gentleness, but also keep watch lest you too be tempted to fail. And this is just one proverb of all the many proverbs so this is why you need to read slow slow that's right we just talked out all that time about one and so um compass what i would we recommend and what we would implore you for you to do is to read the proverbs consistently and to meditate on them Mm -hmm. meditate is not the maybe the way you think of it when um, people go to yoga class or the eastern mystics of just trying to empty up mindless lessness 
Right. What biblical meditation is, is you're actually trying to focus on God and what his word has to say and to fill your mind with his word. So use the book of Proverbs to fill your mind with his commands so that you can live out a faithful life for God through God. And next week, we'll talk about the book of Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books of the Bible. All right. We have just a few announcements, church. One, baptisms. This is the last week to register for baptisms. As a matter of fact, the last few days to register. Don't wait. Uh, Pastor Evan is going to be here during the week by himself. I'm on a trip from uh, Monday to Saturday. And so all the baptism interviews, Pastor Evan is going to do this week. So don't leave him to do these at the end of the week. Make sure that you're registering for these uh, now. We've talked about them a lot. We're excited for it. We would like you, if you've never been baptized, if you're saved, if you turn from your sins, place your trust in Christ, that you would follow through in uh, Believer's Baptism uh, this next Sunday. Uh, We have our Compass Midweeks. Keep praying for those. They're growing. It's so exciting. And there's always challenges with growth to provide space and opportunity for people to connect to discipleship. So keep that in your prayers. We're excited to see all that God's doing uh, at our church, especially through our midweek programs. Uh, Student Parent Night, September 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. Dinner's provided. Any parents and students from 6th to 12th grade, you're invited uh, to be a part of this, to get to know what's going on in the Compass Student Ministry moving forward. And finally, we have our Women's Fellowship, September the 24th. Gals, go ahead and put that on your calendar and uh, be encouraged to gather together to go over your application questions from the last women's event. Uh, and church, we just want to say it again, happy birthday. We're so grateful for what God's done over this last 12 months, and we just look forward to all that God's going to do in the future. We'll see you soon. 